2017, three men joined together in a pact to see what they could collectively do to advance civilization, further the cause of world peace, and elevate mankind. These three men were internationally renowned musician and Linkin Park multi-instrumentalist Dave Phoenix Farrell, multiple PGA Tour champion and world-class golfer Brendan Steele, and Mark. They named themselves the Members. Those who they chose to sit with and ponder the mysteries of the universe, they named the guests. What you're about to listen to is one of those historic conversations. Welcome to the Member Guest Podcast. Welcome to Member Guest. All right, guys. So we are still here. We're in St. Louis. We're in the basement. It's our recording basement. It's our basement of terrors. That That's a bad name right off the <laughs> bat to start it with. It's our basement of fun. That also might sound a little bit suspicious. But today we got to do something that we haven't done prior, which is me, Brendan, Mark Fiore, doing combined interviews or a radio visit. That was a new experience for us, guys. How do you think it went? I thought we were pretty awesome. I mean, we were the first guests. The first guests in the new studio In the space. new studio, yeah. So that was huge. And, uh, I mean, who can resist the three of us? At least from the feedback I heard, we already had people requesting, why isn't that guy in the green hat saying anything? That mm-hmm. being Mark. Mm-hmm. We get the same kind of feedback on, on our podcast. We want more Mark. Well, Brennan was hogging the microphone. I do that. In a very loud, high way. <laughs> All right, I've got Brendan, Man of Steel, Steel, Mark, Master of Disaster, Fiore, and our guest today is a legend of the St. Louis parts. Our history goes back quite a long ways. I'm excited to be reunited today. We first met in conjunction with him playing with Story of the Year and them touring and playing with us with Linkin Park. He has gone on to do Greek Fire as well as playing with Goldfinger. He's found an inroad for himself in the Rizzuto Show, the number one morning show of St. Louis. He is the man, the myth, the legend. Some know him, myself included, as Phil Sneed. Others probably more aptly know him as Moon Valjean. Moon Valjean, what is up? Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. That's a heck of an intro, man. Yeah, that, they, they need to do that on the morning show every single That's, morning. I, I think these guys need to give me some kind of an intro every time I show up. Just like yeah, you don't you don't get that. The last few episodes I listened to, superb intros for everybody, and then nobody really picks up the slack. I mean, I feel like Mark's waiting waiting to say something, but you guys keep him so quiet. Mark's always waiting, yeah. and so in the corner. Now that you're here, you can see we kind of lock him down. Oh my gosh, the the funny thing is, I was listening, and I've known Mark, you know, since since we met. And I know Mark is a very quiet, very genuine, great listener, by the way. Great listener, ladies. But he uh, <laughs> comes in the morning show today. I'm trying to give him my mic. Don't say that Brandon was, was uh, hogging the mic. I kept going like this. Come on, Mark, say something. Come on, Mark, say something. Look, in the chat room, they're saying more green hat, more Mark. Let's Where's the go. green hat guy? Mm. Yeah. When's he going to talk? Nah, he's just saving it. One of these episodes, though, he's going to explode. He's going to be very un- mysterious. He's going to unleash on us. <laughs> he's going to come with a, a fierce fury of words isn't it funny though too is how people want what they can't have right, right? so like <laughs> they're they're watching the youtube feed this morning and they're like well wait there's all these guys talking you know there's six of us talking sitting around yeah. goofing around and and then it's like what about that other guy that's not talking at all i want to know what he has to say yeah that's the most important thing <laughs> yeah yeah you got you got a guy talking about 
potentially, you know, what what Lincoln Park's going to do and what Dave is doing right now. And you got a guy talking about what's happening in the PGA right now. He's literally playing in the PGA right now. Can we get more from the green hat guy? It's the classic version of less is more. And it's also careful what you wish for. Mark could come on and just be like, all right, well, let's let's not have the green hat guy say anything anymore. After this, <laughs> Mark comes on. <laughs> Enough, green hat guy. Can the guy in the green hat read the traffic? <laughs> no more traffic green report? hat. Get him out of there. <laughs> if you were willing to do that, I, I would have loved to read the traffic. Really, report. I would have passed it Oh, that, that would have been you. awesome. I always thought with the traffic report that it would almost be better to just deliver optimism. Because when I'm driving, I would love to hear somebody say, "Hey, St. Louis, nobody's on the freeway today. You should get there in no time." <laughs> We did the radio show this morning with you, and I may have had a little bit of a faux pas with, with the Phil as, as opposed to the moon. I had some other faux pas, too, but I knew his Phil back in the day. Bring us into the moon. We were doing a story of the year from you know 2002 on, and I met you guys in 2004. Around 2009 or so, I was writing a whole bunch of different things, music and lyrics and poems or whatever you want to call them, and uh, none of them really fit with the vibe uh, uh, or the philosophies of, of Story of the Year, and uh, I kind of wanted to start something different. So me and some older uh, dudes, the, the guys that were actually on tour with us as drum tech and merch that were in my band before I joined Story of the Year, we decided to do this band again and um, kind of revamp it and do it very differently, and I didn't want Story of the Year fans thinking it was a side project, because it wasn't. It was going to be a passion of mine, and I didn't want anybody to be let down when it wasn't like Story of the Year Junior because mm-hmm. it wasn't going to be the same. It, it wasn't was going to be, thing. yeah, right. it wasn't going to be the same vibe. It wasn't going to be the same philosophy. It wasn't going to be the same lyric kind of vibe. It wasn't going to be the same theatrical performance. It was just going to be a completely different animal. So I figured um, this is a, a good time to sort of uh, adopt permanently or publicly like a stage name. We could get into this for hours, and I have with counselors before, uh, with therapists, because uh, I'm adopted, and like the whole identity thing is like a, you know a big theme in my life. And I found my birth parents, you know, in my late 20s, and blah 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 blah. So identity was like a really big part of my studies in my late 20s, and that was right around the time. And I was like, you know what, this is actually poetically appropriate for me personally. So I, I decided that uh, with that band, we were going to go faceless for, for some time and go by whichever monikers we, we, we liked. But at the same time, it was also giving me sort of a fresh a fresh start as far as identity. That was with Greek Fire? Yeah, so it, it all started with Greek Fire, and, and Greek Fire had a lot of success, and we were doing a lot of stuff. And I uh, wanted to do another passion of mine and started doing some, some podcasts. And The Point, um, here in St. Louis, alternative station, famous heritage station, 25 years old. Uh, asked me to do weekends, and I was like, dude, you guys are so stupid. I have the worst radio voice ever. <laughs> like, I can sing, man, but I, like, I don't sound like Howard Stern or any of these announcer guys, you know, that I was used to studying. Went for it and then hooked up with Riz and Patrico and Burton, the, the, the cast of the show, who, who I had known for years and years with working with the station. And I'll tell you what, dude, unless you're an old friend or a family member or my lady— Nobody, nobody calls me by my name. So much, in fact, that 90% of the day I'm referred to as, as Moon and only 10% as Phil or Philip, mm. you know? So on the street, if I'm in the zoo and somebody says, Phil, I don't even hear it anymore. That's crazy. Isn't that weird? Yeah. But it did happen in a fairly short time, like 10 years. And of course, you know, I'm sure everybody gives you crap at first, like, oh, dude, I could never call you that, bro. That's so stupid. And, and then now, you know, like my cousin who lives with me calls me Moon. That guy's known me for 37 years. Yeah. If he can do it, you can do it. It's all good. <laughs> the name Phoenix came right before. So I had, we had started Lincoln Park when we were still in college. I had left and left the band for just about a year, a little over a year, to tour with Mark and some of our other 
buddies that we've yeah. been playing with since high school. Tasty Snacks. Yeah. I was a fan. That's why, well, you, that's why you and I hit it off at first. Yeah. Mark was like, wait a second, you know that band? I was like, yeah, dude, 90 Pound Wuss, Tasty Snacks, all those guys. <laughs> <laughs> like, you were in that band? Don't act like everybody didn't did know you go Tasty to, Snacks. Did, didn't you go to Cornerstone Oh, like, dude, I was a Cornerstone year? faithful. Yeah. I played Cornerstone. I'm sure. Three times. We yeah. played in the label showcase tent. Did we, you really? Uh-huh. I, saw, I camped out next to the label showcase tent. <laughs> I probably saw you there. And then I can't remember the other one we played in. Sorry, I we, derailed you. <laughs> I derailed you. Go on. But, so we were touring with that. We all had nicknames. And then somehow when I was coming back to Lincoln Park, at that point, uh, we had been called Zero, and then we'd been called Hybrid Theory, and then we'd gotten been called a, a series of different names that would last a week or two, one of them being clear, because we thought that was such a cool name. It was like, it's like clear and like plastic, but combined into one word, it's clear. Terrible name. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness that didn't stick. Anyway, when I'm coming back, I told uh, our manager at the time, like, oh, I'm, I'm not Dave anymore. I'm going by Phoenix when we're on tour. And somehow that like oddly just stuck. But then it got to the point for me at different stages. And I, I had a, my nickname growing up was LD. For little Dave, because we had a handful, we had two other Daves next door: Dave Ward Senior, Dave Ward Junior. They were BD, MD, Big Dave, Medium Dave. I was little <laughs> Dave, but my so my whole life I wouldn't ever hear a distinction between LD or Dave. Like the nickname and my own name were just the same kind of thing. Like I didn't hear a difference. You know, when somebody would say it, it would just be like a name. And then that also transitioned into Phoenix, where I would never hear. I would respond to both. Like my wife has always called me Dave. She's, but Mark at different points has called me and you know Mark and I have known each other since we were five years old he's called me Dave you might have even had a period of here and there where you'd call Dipshit. me LD <laughs> oh. Lord Phoenix you've called me that for sure no but Mark has called me like Phoenix in different circles or whatever else and it's for me I've just like morphed in all these different things where I'll almost I'll almost respond to like anything but as far as nicknames go <laughs> looking back there's the movie Basketball also I don't even oh know if you gosh. remember this but Mark and then our other buddy Mark, they were trying to give me at one point the nickname Little Bitch. <laughs> it was L I L, Little Bitch. I think Keller, more than anything, was really trying to get that to stick, which now I'd kind of love it if my nickname was Little Bitch. That's, that's L-I-L. your bad persona. LB. At, that, at LB. that point, LB. LB. At that point, I was really, you, you know, you're like, I know if I, in my head, I'm like, I know if I react to this, they're, they're just going to really. <laughs> love it and dig into it and for sure it's like they're not gonna forget so you're like just trying to think in your head like all right just don't even react to it like don't, play it cool man like just be like yeah i kind of like that yeah, that's, whatever that's good. yeah your name's a little bitch oh, <laughs> doesn't bother me <laughs> yeah. it's no big deal like oh this better not stick <laughs> now i kind of oh, every you know. time i tweak it it's gonna be hashtag little bitch <laughs> and <laughs> people are gonna be like dude that guy hates that guy what is going on with that relationship I Man, love that Moon and Phoenix feud is yeah. huge. Yeah. <laughs> Who? Oh, Dave and Phil. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> hashtag little bitch. Hashtag Moon. Hashtag. <laughs> yeah. Did you just land on Moon immediately? And oh like- uh, no, well it was a song. It was like a poem song thing. This is just gonna get serious. It was like it, um, I wrote this thing. This it, it was called I Am a Moon. Again, I, at the time I was kind of going through identity crisis and trying to figure out who I was, and I had all these questions about my history answered in like an hour. So my whole identity had been based on being adopted, not having most of the answers to, to a lot of questions. And then bam, all of a sudden I have all the answers. And the thing was called I Am a Moon. It was about feeling like, um, you know, in the world but not of the world mm-hmm. t- type of vibe where I was like, I was affecting my world, but I wasn't in it. Like I never felt like I belonged, 
but I felt like I was still responsible for like pushing and pulling um, certain moments as the moon does with the tide. And that's a little bit far and cheesy and pretentious and whatever, but that, that, that's what the song was about. And I kind of felt like, oh, that's, 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 a nice, cool. that's a nice name and sort of identity to just kind of run with. Uh, as far as you know, how I feel about how I feel about myself as an outsider, but still trying to affect and and be good and put a mark on my world and the planet in general. So that's so where that came from. Your name had a lot more thought than mine. <laughs> I still like yours better. Yours is a better story. Believe me, every listener You're, is going to go, yeah, yeah, Dave. Which one? One, a little one bit? story little was awesome. Way better. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like in both of those stories or in both of those names, people get a, a glimpse into our world and character and our thought process. Yeah. And in the Valjean. Oh, that's actually from, um, Jean Valjean. Yeah. That's from Jean Valjean. And that was before like the movie kind of took Les Mis to, yeah. to bigger heights as far as like pop culture. But I, uh, I associated with that character as well. And again, another boring story. If you're interested in that character, read, Dude, read into Les Mis. I love that. Okay. It's, it's all about quick, redemption and it's a and, great book and pain. The and, movies are great. Yeah. The musical is great, but the book is fantastic. To the extent that I made my wife, I think we were still dating at the time, I said, you need to read this book. And at that point, she's like, I'm not reading a thousand-page book. About pure sadness. Anyway, I had a deal with her. If you finish this book, like if you read Les Mis and you read it cover to cover, then I will give you like an hour massage. And this was when we were still like dating, and that was like a a big deal. And uh, still so she, is a big deal, by the way. An hour, an hour, a long time. Yeah, that is that a lot of work. An hour massage. <laughs> right, For my wife, not you, Dave. If you read that book, Mark, I will give you an hour massage. <laughs> we got a long flight home tomorrow. I might be able to finish it. You gotta get a massage from a little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> a little bitch massage. <laughs> anyway, she read it. She loved it. Jean Valjean, awesome. Moon Valjean. It full circle, full crescent. It was meant to be. Circle, moon. Crescent, circle, moon? Crescent, moon. Right here in this Missouri basement. Missouri basements. That's where, the, where it all comes together. So I'm curious from your standpoint, um, we had Phil Monansala. He's a guitarist for Of Mice and Men earlier on this season. I don't know if you've listened to that. Yep, I'm sure I you heard the first half. Uh, let me go back. I'm sure you've listened to that. Duh. Twice. But one of the things that I loved about Phil, especially on that podcast, is when we were touring with them, me and him became buddies, and I knew that there was some weird stuff that had come out from, like, Linkin Park World on touring that he, like, brought to light, even more so in the podcast itself. For you, what are your memories of, like, 2004, right? Yeah, 2004, Meteora. Yeah. I'm glad you said Meteora, because I was almost like, what album? Yeah. I can't remember what our second album is called. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, what a cool career. That's pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, it was it was, uh, it was was a Meteora tour. It was um, you guys, P.O.D., Hoobas Tank, and us opening. And I know what you're talking about with Phil on the podcast. He was talking about the, uh, the, the agreement, the touring agreement. Did we like, have cr- the agreement? Man, I don't remember that. Yeah, I but, don't think we, we might not. But have. I never had a sip of of booze until my late 20s or any of that kind of stuff so even if we had that it wouldn't have i wouldn't it wouldn't even have come across my world but i'll tell you what if that did exist most of my band members did not oblige but every single time i talk about your band on the radio show or any interviews or any of that kind of stuff it always sounds like one of those like cheesy um you know all positive no negative things but and it's gonna do. It's gonna sound like that again because it's totally legit. It, because if a band treats us poorly, I'll tell you. If it, you know, and if some weird memory sticks out, I'll tell you. I personally have never been treated better by 
any group of human beings in my entire life than I was by your entire band and crew. I mean, I'm talking from your production manager to the light guys to the sound guys to the band members that introduced themselves. Like, we're in these punk rock, dirty-ass, gross uh, venues and stuff, you know? And even then, bands are too cool to go say hi to other bands or even watch other bands. Or they do the cross-armed shit on the side of the stage, like, pfft, that guitar player blows or some crap like that. in stupid-ass punk clubs and then we get to an arena and we're all freaked out you know because you guys got tons of buses and and trucks and all this and we're sitting in this dressing room and the only thing we were told is don't be in the hallway when you guys are heading to the stage so like what 20 minutes or 15 minutes or actually probably less than that um don't be in the hallway don't be in people's way security comes in they like introduce themselves those guys were the coolest dudes then uh i think joe and uh i know rob at some point Chester, Mike, all of you guys at some point, the first day, came into our dressing room, sat down individually, introduced yourself, said, if you guys need anything, you guys don't understand, this doesn't happen. Like, we've been touring for a number of years, and obviously toured for 15 years after that. And that hasn't happened, didn't happen before, and hasn't happened since. When a band comes in and says, this is our tour, welcome to our tour. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. If you need anything, if anybody messes with you, please, please come tell us. So that's set a bar. And I'm talking the fondest memories I have of all the touring were from that tour, from after parties with the, with the crew to you know hanging outside stage to messing with you guys the last day. <laughs> uh, like, I mean, every little thing was spectacular. Not only that, though, and I, and I, and I don't want to go on forever because I get trouble with that in the morning show. Um, you guys really set a precedent for a for a headlining band so when we became a headlining band like a year later we tried our best or at least i tried tried my best to kind of follow your guys's example and make sure that opening bands felt welcome and didn't feel weird because you i'm sure you've been on plenty yeah. of tours where you go by and you're like three weeks in and you're like who's that guy well that's the guitar player in your direct support dickhead you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. but again you guys set such a classy bar that has never been touched. And I said on the morning show today, I think that has spilled over um, into your fan base. And fans know that. And they trust you. And they know you guys are going to do them right. And you're going to do you right. And you're not going to do anything with um, lowered integrity. And uh, and every band I know that's ever toured with you says the exact same thing. It was spectacular. And I'm not just puffing you up here because you're sitting here. I've said this on thousands of interviews. So look no, no. it up. Moon, keep going. I'm... No. My hands are saying, okay, that's enough. I've, but I've I'm telling you, forever. keep going, keep going. <laughs> I, I've, I've said that forever. You guys, you awesome. guys were the, the kindest, Thank most you. Gen- gentlest gentlemen ever. Yeah. You know, that's why I still have a relationship with so many people from, from that tour. The Hoobastank guys, the POD guys, Mark, uh, Big Billy Clark, like mm-hmm. all those dudes. You know, like we all stayed in, in, in contact and we see those crew members on the road, whether I'm in Greek or Goldfinger. And it's like we, we just saw each other yesterday kind of vibe. But we didn't have to sign nothing. You guys didn't do nothing weird. It was I, totally cool. I was more and looking. I was more looking. Thing, I wanted. I wanted the like. I wanted the what we did that was. I know weird. you guys didn't do time. anything weird. Yeah. Got a little weird. We, we've got you know we, we always had six guys. All of us were kind of all over the place and in different spaces. There's bound to be some. Mm-mm. There's got to be some people who are out there who are like, yeah, that's not my experience. With no way. Park. The only thing you guys did was think that you could beat me at Halo, and I shut that down real fast. <laughs> I kicked a living shit out of every single one of your band members at every single I, Halo game we played. Nice I, I really wish I could argue with that in some way, but yes, yeah, sadly, sadly <laughs> that is true. And 
we did play a ton of Halo. Yeah. That's all we did all back we did. then. You remember that? It was insane. Like, yeah, I mean that was before. Wouldn't you guys jump on the bus and then ride in our bus for like hours? I think just I slept. To get it? Yeah, I think yeah. I slept in your back lounge probably ten times because we, we would do like eight hour shotgun no shield games forever. You know, just, just keep the on overnight going. drive and yeah. just keep playing. Caption We'd play. have the front lounge linked to the back lounge yeah. via Ethernet cable. We did one day. I want to say it wasn't Atlanta because Atlanta was the last one. That's when we pranked everybody. I don't know if you guys remember, but you took all of our instruments away before the last song ended, so we didn't even get to get a last song. <laughs> we had no instruments. And a great take, prank. Oh, and I jumped up on this on this like uh, six foot cab that I was going to do a backflip off of, and they taped my arms and legs together. So that was uh, dangerous. <laughs> For me, music is the thing that I do to like get away, and I don't I don't play any music. I'm not any good. I don't have any sort of talent whatsoever, but I love it. Right? And that's how Dave and I met, and that's how I met Mark. And, you know, Dave and Mark, they go out and play golf as their, like, kind of time to get away. But yep. for me, music, it time stamps everything in my life. You know, like, I always know if I hear a song, like, it takes me back to specific memories. And for me, Page Avenue was in college, and it was like, there was a year where that didn't come out of my car. I mean, really? it was just, awesome. just playing it nonstop, like, one of my favorite albums ever. And then when Black Swan came out, I remember I had... I would buy one CD when I was traveling on the nationwide tour because it was like I could afford the 15 bucks for my entertainment for, you know, the next few weeks yeah. type thing. And I bought it in Fort Smith, Arkansas, and I just played it on the whole whole trip that I was going around. But I remember specifically I was in Fort Smith, Arkansas, and I was like rolling up and down the streets just like windows down it's 100 degrees and i'm just yes. blasting it and i'm like fuck yeah let's go <laughs> like I'm gonna, I'm gonna go play awesome today but it's um i just have i have really great memories of all the story of the year stuff and then i don't think you were in the band at the time but goldfinger played at uc riverside back in like 2002 and i saw them there yeah like i've just been a huge fan of everything that you've done so it's, it's oh uh, thanks man yeah it's just but it's really cool for me to be able to hang out with you and then um, it's fun to be able to think about those kind of memories. and Likewise, when you guys, when I found out about this podcast, because I think I was following one of you guys' Instagrams and, and started checking out the podcast, and I just saw the, you guys have like a great like one-liner type of, type of bio. And it hit home so much with me because there's a weird crossover with athletes and musicians. Almost every athlete I meet wants to be a rock star. And almost every rock star I know wants to be an athlete. Like you know, you know what I mean. Like, damn, dude, playing golf for a living—that's the greatest thing ever. And he's like, "Are you kidding? You get to stage dive for a living?" Well, I always say that I would trade jobs with Dave in a second, and he's like, "No, I don't want to trade with you. That's terrible." <laughs> really? You're the only dude that says that. You know how hot it was out there today. We were God, walking around for like seven, seven hours. hours. I don't want to do that. Well, remember, I was opening the Meteor Tour, so I would take you. Yeah, <laughs> Speaking of sports, you got to tell us a little bit about the uh, softball injury. Oh, uh, yeah. You have to tell it the way that you told us this morning, complete oh, with starting with karate. <laughs> you guys walk in the station today, and, I, and oh, you we said, said, how was karate last you, night? Said, well, how was karate <laughs> yesterday? Yeah, like, yeah, how was karate? Yeah, how was karate? And you said, you said well... I couldn't do karate with my girls, yeah. potentially today, because I got a concussion. Yeah. But you hadn't clarified that it, you didn't get it from girls karate. <laughs> you didn't immediately... So in my head, granted, it's early in the morning, so yeah. give me the benefit of the doubt. But in my head, I'm immediately thinking, like, 
Did he get knocked out by like a nine-year-old at karate <laughs> class? I had a concussion and my ear exploded from a softball injury. And before you say, that's what the glove is for, you're supposed to catch the ball. I was a base runner. I hit the ball to second. Terrible hit. I know. It's softball. Hit it to second base, but I outran it. And uh, first baseman missed a gun from the second from the second baseman, and it blew up all the cartilage in my ear. Oof. And like um, the only thing I was concerned with, obviously, with our career is hearing. Um, That's I a big one. Yeah, I didn't lose permanent hearing. Yeah. I, it's still not fully back yet, but mm. um, I'll be fine. Uh, I had a whole ton of stitches, and the cartilage was blown up. I had to have a surgeon fix it, and blah blah blah. But that took me out of karate last night. And <laughs> the reason I'm in karate is because uh, my kids were doing it, and my son is super, super, super timid, like very, very shy, timid dude. And he was really intimidated uh, on going um, to karate. And I was like, what if I do it with you? And, of course, he said yes. And I was like, oh, I guess I'm taking karate. <laughs> but it's actually really fun. It's been pretty awesome, like, bonding experience with my kids. Yeah. And uh, I can totally kick your ass. I believe that. <laughs> and I believe that that has nothing to do with karate. <laughs> With 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 sports stuff, um, I know a bunch of um, MLB players, and those dudes sign contracts to say that they won't, they're not getting on a skateboard, nothing with wheels, that, you, know, you know that kind of stuff. With golf, are, are there some sort of policies in place that you're not allowed to go parasailing or something on vacation? Or we're all independent contractors, so if if I get hurt and can't play it, I just don't get paid. So there, I don't have any, uh, even my like endorsement deals, like I have to play a certain number of events to get paid. And if I don't play those, then I'll get prorated out, wow. you know, whatever I play. So it's all, the risk is all on me. They just care if you make it there X amount of time. Yeah. Time. Like for instance, if, if I have an endorsement deal and I break my arm because I'm skiing, but I need to play 20 events in order to get my money, I can go tee off on the first hole. 20 times that year and just like putt it a foot and then withdraw and I'll get my money from my endorsement deals. Now, nobody really does that, but you could. But that being said, like I don't do a lot of things because that's the deal. Yeah. Like I, I would love to learn how to ski and like get out and do all that kind of stuff. And But I have to wait until I'm old enough that I'm willing to get hurt and be like, eh, I don't really want to play anymore anyway. Yeah. So You're going to hold off to, to master skateboarding until 45? Yeah, exactly. That's that's <laughs> going to be me. I'm going to be like dragging Dave out to do stupid stuff when, when I'm 50. Yeah. You know, I'll be like, oh, okay, I'm ready to go skiing now. I'm ready to go skateboarding. <laughs> Dave, give me some surf lessons. You He's taking that, me surfing. You could be that Nodoyski guy that yeah, I, I, we're talking about. <laughs> learning how Steven, to skateboard. Steven's and, Nodoyski. It gets... It gets a little crazy but you have to take the risk on yourself there's some guys that ski all winter and there's other guys that would never do it we have a super long season too we have 49 events i think this year Dang, over dude. 46 different weeks and then there's unofficial events and events you can play in europe and asia and whatever you could play like 50 51 weeks if you wanted to and it just keeps rolling it's just this train that never stops and for us unlike other sports you can play till you're 48 50 years old whatever even senior tour after that so if you stay healthy enough you can keep playing forever whereas like nfl you kind of know your lifespan right even if you don't get hurt unless you're tom brady or something like that yeah. you're gonna play till your early 30s probably at the most you picked the right sport even musicians too like when, you, when you're a musician you're 37 years old and all these bands that are the biggest bands in the on earth are coming up to you like man I listened to you when I was four <laughs> and you're like holy shit what, what? <laughs> I'm a <laughs> veteran this is terrible <laughs> in music the switch comes so fast yeah between like you are green and you're getting criticized for for being new to the scene and not knowing what you're doing and da 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 you haven't paid your dues and whatever all the 
all that normal crap is. And then there's like a flip that gets switched. And then suddenly it's like, dude, I grew up like your record was my favorite when I was in third grade. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that's awesome. And man, like that, that sucks. Yeah. (laughs) it's, It's like this, like, wow, that's incredible. I can't believe I impacted you. What do you think of me? And you know I'm what I mean? your you're like, dad now. Yeah, because you're you're looking at the gray in my in my beard, and <laughs> I don't know if you're judging me now. One of the funny things that I definitely remember very clearly, and it was probably because you guys were like almost at like the forefront of using a version of, albeit a very early version of like social media, in what you guys were doing with your video content and what you're capturing, oh, as far yeah. as like everyday kind of backstagey footage of fun life of what was going on with story of the year to the extent that our record label at one point sent us all out whatever the that new the new version of the little video recorder thing was and it was basically with a this note that was something to the extent of like you guys need to capture more fun video content like story of the year no like it, way yes and you go what those dorks what <laughs> they were filming catering that's not fun <laughs> you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like we're eating a cheesecake thing and now I'm smashing it in <laughs> yeah, Phil's yeah. face and we smashing then Phil things. does a backflip like yeah <laughs> yay like <laughs> Catch us tomorrow. More Phoenix backflips. Well, hey, you said that more people recognize you from your butt from the backflips. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody knows my face. It's yeah. just like, oh, do a backflip. Oh, my God, I know you do. I love your band. <laughs> <laughs> do a backflip holding this guitar. I knew I recognized is there, you. Is there a point where you're just going to be like, no more backflips? I still do backflips, man. Every Greek fire show, every Goldfinger show, still, still do them. And, in fact, it was like a joke there for a while because we would do shows and people would come up afterwards pissed. I mean, like... Like, didn't play their favorite song, pissed. Like, didn't play their wedding song, pissed. And came up and were like, you didn't backflip today, bro. What the feck? And I go, you're kidding me, man. I did backflip at this part in this song, and my knees still hurt from it. And you didn't see it, but that's all you came for? Is that what you're paying for, is the, the backflip? Like, I'll do that now. The 30 times you can pay me, I'll go home. I won't even play the set. That was amazing, though. They sent you flip cameras and said to film like we did? Yeah, there was a, a version of that type of note. <laughs> that's but, awesome and and we were like oh okay cool like and at the same time apparently i wasn't doing a good job this was even before you were <laughs> this was when you were like handheld and there was no digital real you were doing like tapes and you and mark was everywhere mm-hmm. mark was everywhere so like i mean like six months after we hired him to to shoot the behind the scenes of a couple of video shoots that we yeah. did and he was, he was live at the loo yeah, oh yeah, that's yeah. right. We did a lot of stuff. You guys had cameras there. You just weren't getting the pranks. I think that the message was you guys probably need to be more fun coming to us for the record <laughs> label. Hey guys, like you need to show some personality to your fan base. But everyone we're like, yeah, we're just, I don't think we're that fun. <laughs> <laughs> Those are good days though. Good days. Talk a little bit about your time with Goldfinger. I know you've been with them, you're saying five or six years now. Yeah. And we'd known Feldman for, you know, since 2002. He did uh, a couple of the Story of the Year records. He had done Greek Fire music right around that time. And um, he loves musicians that can sing, that can play multiple instruments and all that. And he and I always hit it off with that. His producing style was always one of my favorites. And uh, he he called me last minute knowing that I could pull something off. And I think in a day, I got a guitar sent to me. I went to Denver or some, some random city not near me. And um, and played a Goldfinger show. I was like, cool, thanks, John. 
see ya. It's good to see ya. You know, and um, a few months later, he would just call me and be like, hey, can you play on Friday? I said, sure, yeah, you know, what city? And he, you know, he'd say, Quebec or whatever. And so I would just fly up and play. And it was fun. It was just like fun, fill-in stuff. You know, a lot of bands do that kind of mm-hmm. kind of thing. And, and they were all good friends of mine because we had toured with them for years. The music is spectacular. I was always a Goldfinger fan. I was an early high school Goldfinger fan. But when you really start to like nail it down and start to, to, to play the parts, you're like, these songs are so good, so good. And I, like one of my biggest influences is The Police. And you really start to dig in and see what the Goldfinger influences are. And they were all the same influences for me. The punk and the ska, but the pop and blah, blah, blah. So it was a perfect fit for me to say yes to every single time. And then uh, one time, John calls and says, hey, man, can you play Panama next week? And I was like, yeah, cool. Florida? He said, no, the country. I was like, yeah, that's even better. Yeah, great. Let's go. Let's do this. And by the way, we never rehearsed. We've We've never rehearsed. We've rehearsed one time now, but at that point, certainly no rehearsal. The day before... I'm making sure my flight is okay, so I call the manager at the time, and she's like, um, are you checking one or two bases? And I was like, uh, what you mean? <laughs> and she's like, uh, oh, you're playing bass. John didn't tell you? And I was like, no. Oh, my gosh. And, dude, you got to check out the Goldfinger bass stuff. If, like, if you're just a casual listener, you may, you may not catch it. Goldfinger bass is the jam. Kelly Lemieux of Goldfinger, the bass player for the majority of the records, is the most badass, gnarly player ever. The reason he doesn't play with Goldfinger <laughs> is because he's with, like, Paul Wetz's face, you know, Shredder, Satriani style kind of. He's that good at bass, but they're so classy. They're so good. They're so reggae, ska, purist bass lines. I can do it. I can cut it, guys. I got the chops. But with one day or six <laughs> hours or something before the flight takes off, man, I was panicked. I was freaked out. I got in my basement. I sat down there for four or five hours and just sweat over these bass lines. But it was so much fun. The fans were amazing. <laughs> and then the next show, he called me and said, hey, man, can you, <laughs> can you play this? I said, sure, dude. Uh, what's the set? And he sent it. And then I, then I emailed him and a manager and another manager and somebody else and said, can someone please make sure I know which instrument I'm playing? Am I playing drums this, this go around? Like, what am I doing? Is there a harp? Yeah. And is that what I will be playing? And I started playing guitar. And um, by that point, Mike from MXPX had started playing bass. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Mike was like a hero, not, not only in like music, but like in the business and sticking around and longevity and everything. It really just kind of clicked and hit. And, and Goldfinger has become one of the, the greatest experiences in, in my life. Um, if you know John or you're a fan of John, he's an extremely intense personality, but he's so very gifted. Uh, he's a great producer. He's a great front man. And even though this is a completely different story for me as to how I became in this band and became like a, a member in this band, it's one of the most gratifying and um, surreal experiences because I'm just this dipshit kid from from St. Louis that's like trying to play and and you know like goes in his basement and, and plays the Top Gun soundtrack for two hours because he's like damn this is so fucking awesome and it's like <laughs> I got to tone down you, you know what I mean now but I've like, got to learn the bass part of this song. yeah exactly but you you become this kid again and you realize you're playing with like friends that are legends that you're keeping up with. I think John has like the, the super group of all super groups because Travis Barker is, is playing drums for us on, on the West Coast shows. And when he can't travel or he's doing Blink stuff or, or the thousand other things that Travis is doing, you know, we got Cyrus from Newfound, Brand, Brandon from Rancid has played a bunch, uh, Eric and Proto from Night Verses and, um, and The Fever has played. And these are all like exceptional musicians, but unbelievable personalities and you guys know as well as i do touring with the right personalities is everything you got one toxic guy in there and it really sucks 
and we get to fly out and we put out a record last year which i think is is a spectacular very true blue goldfinger record you're a part of the gang and a part of a legendary band like a legendary band um that should be way bigger and even if i was out of the band i would think like this should be much more of a, a heritage legendary band and it's kind of funny john like built a band of frontmen mike fronts his band and then gets to be like Oh, I'm just going to show up and play Goldfinger songs. It's kind of like a vacation, <laughs> but, you know, like a work vacation. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I'm a front man in two bands, and, and I get to, like, show up and be like, ah, I'm just going to jam some of my favorite songs ever and, and sing them and do it for thousands of people. And then Travis Barker's behind me. You, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> how did this happen? You know, people from St. Louis see these pictures and go, the fuck are you doing on stage did you, did you get to guess did you win a contest <laughs> you know it's like no nah, I'm, I'm in the band I, I won our own radio contest <laughs> yeah, yeah that's how it, that's how yeah. it feels yeah and when you see certain pictures it, it, it does catch me i go what am i doing yeah life is life is really cool and i'm super thankful for it sorry you got me kind of kind of emotional when it, when it when it comes to that kind of stuff but i'm just i'm imagining myself getting hey dave you want to go play uh, base in Panama tomorrow. I'd have a lot of questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, no. You'd say yes, and then seven hours before they go. By the way, you're playing ukulele and keyboards. <laughs> Still yes. <laughs> what are they doing? Where they're calling you the day before? Like what has? <laughs> I don't know. Man. What has happened in that, <laughs> dude? Well, they... Do they have a plan B? Or are you the plan B? <laughs> oh, dude, I, I was the plan A, B, and C for a while yeah. there. Is uh, somebody like okay? We're gonna book the show in Panama. And don't worry about it. I'll figure out our bass player. Yeah, <laughs> I, I got it. And then the day before, like, all right, we should probably get a bass player. <laughs> we should know. probably figure this <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah, I can. I can only speak for the band uh, as the band with me. Um, but I mean, there's there's a lot that goes on there, and and a lot of it has to do, I'm sure, with with John's schedule. That dude is the hardest working dude. Um, he doesn't sleep. He drinks fifty espresso shots a day. Um, he's, I mean, he's producing all the stuff that you see he's producing is maybe 3% of what he's actually doing day to day, writing sessions, production, um, you know, setting up this record and that record and all the stuff. The, the, the dude is a one man shop for so many people's careers. And, uh, it's, it's pretty insane. I couldn't do it. And a lot of times I, a friend of friend, I'll tell him like, whoa, slow down. Like. That's not human. I don't even know how you're doing this. Mm-hmm. And and he's as sober as it gets, so you can't you can't say it's anything like that. Um, and he's you know as a family man and, and a genuine dude. I think a lot of it comes down to like, wait a second, we don't have a guitar player. We're playing tomorrow. I thought you, you know, I was like, oh, well, we, we got to call this guy. Who's got a Who's got a passport? Right. <laughs> who do we know that has a passport who can play guitar? Yeah, that was that era back then, and things are a lot tighter. Obviously, this last like eight or nine years. But uh, he's he's got the group. He's got the group now, and it's. It's awesome, man. It is so much fun, and I encourage you to, to check out. I'm not just doing self-promotion, but definitely check out the last Goldfinger record because if you're an old-school Goldfinger fan, it's got it all. It's got the sky. It's got the punk. It's got the uh, the horns. It's got the silly shit, you know, like um, my girlfriend shower sucks kind of vibe. There's 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 the the silly kind of stuff on it as well, but then, and then there's the serious stuff. It's it's a it's a good band, a good record with the Beatles. <laughs> and I'll dip Maybe. in and out of movie quotes on accident because you've had me for a while. I, I know Phil has to get up early. How early do you got to get up tomorrow? Um, well, if the boss is listening, I get up at two thirty, <laughs> and I'm there at two thirty-six. Now I'm 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 up anytime between three thirty and four fifteen, 
and in the office, you know, shortly after. We just moved studios, and oh my gosh, it went from a 50, or like a 37-minute drive, sometimes 50-minute, to like nine minutes, and it is the greatest thing ever. Oh, it's got to be a gift. Oh my goodness. How long have you, do, have you been doing the morning radio thing? Uh, morning show started in 2000, uh, I want to say 13 or 14. Um, for some reason, I'm, I'm kind of... Fu- for some reason, this this 15% beer in my hand, uh, I'm a little fuzzy. It was 13 or, or, or 14. We've been doing it for four or five years. Radio is a different game. You know, I came from rock and roll, and I never wanted to be uh, a radio guy that was like worried about slitting the throats of the next people to try to, you know, climb the ladder in radio because mm-hmm. it's such a cutthroat business. Yeah, you, like I went from one cutthroat business to yeah. the most, the, the second most cutthroat business. You know, you, one would think like, oh, you're used to having a microphone in your hand and being on the front of stage and like. Making a, a crowd do what you want and thousands of people. Radio is so very different that a lot of people that, that jump into it that are arrogant thinking like, oh, I'm good with a microphone, um, crash and burn really heavy. And everybody crashes and burns, and I, I knew I would do that. So I got my practice on the weekends because you're used to talking to a 1,000 people. I was talking to Mark about this before. You're used to talking to 10,000 people. You say something, and either all of them laugh and you continue on or none of them laugh or none of them react. And you adjust on the fly, minute to minute, moment to moment. In a in a radio studio, it's dead. You guys saw it. You've been to a thousand of these things. No feedback. It's dead air, and you're talking to a fucking wall. Like you're literally talking to a wall. When you make a joke and you chuckle, maybe the fifty thousand people on the radio, nobody chuckled. Or you say something that you think is nothing, and it becomes like everyone's favorite. I mean, almost like bit-worthy sort of like a vibe or a saying or a phrase or, or catchphrase or whatever. So it's a lot of like uh, learning your cadence and learning your rhythm and, and feel. And that took me that took me a while with um, with the weekends. Rizzuto, the, the host of our show, um, he started in radio in St. Louis in 2003, right when Story started. Okay. So Story was like the the local band that was doing okay. And he was the local DJ that was like lowest on the totem pole. So he always had to interview us. Mm-hmm. And then we were the local band that was doing really well. And he was like the guy that was climbing the ladder. And then we were the national band. And then we were the international band. And he raised – so he came up in radio when we came up in the bands. So when he heard that I was doing this weekend show and saw I was doing creative in it, uh, he asked me to be a part of it um, when he took over for the morning show. And uh, radio is is so much fun, dude. And again, it probably wouldn't be fun if we didn't have a great fan base. Or if we didn't have a loyal fan base or events to go to where people show up, but like very, very gratifying because I get to meet um, legitimate people that have legitimate experiences where we get to make them laugh on a commute to a job that they don't like or something. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it's 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 kind of like being in a band when somebody comes up and says, "Your record changed my life," and brought me out of this dark period, or this one lyric means this to me. It may not mean that to you, but I wanted to tell you that this lyric meant this to me, and it changed everything for me. You know what I'm saying? So sure. the feedback has been um, really cool, and I've been able to parallel it with uh, previous experiences, and it's it's been a real it's been a real godsend for me to feel like I'm I'm doing something that's worthwhile. And I'm sure you guys feel the same with the podcast, you know, because you get feedback back, and you're like, whoa, I'm a part of people's lives with this, and it's a positive influence. So, I mean, you, you've used the term fortunate a lot or almost alluding to the fact that as if there was a version of luck in there and, and there's definitely a version of timing in all your different sets but what I see 
from you and what I've seen from you over the years is you're falling into positions and into places where they're, you're surrounded with good people doing great things. And a big part of that that I'm seeing, like that I see from you is just like, you're such a positive person and you're so open to putting yourself into those experiences yourself. You know, it's, it's so cool to oh, see. Thanks, man. Yeah, for sure. Thanks. I'm yeah. I'm that. But I've definitely, I've definitely fallen into this, some fortunate situations. And that starts with, that starts with when I was eight years old in Crestwood Mall and was told that I was adopted. You know, like it, it didn't hit me like, oh, somebody abandoned me. It, it hit me that like I was put into this favorable, favorable situation, uh, you know, amidst a million other chances to be somewhere else. And like life is good. It, it, sure, I've had tragedy and this and that and a lot of difficulties, but like. I could be a thousand other places right now. Like literally could have just rolled, the, you know, the dice of the world could have been rolled and put me in a, in a thousand other places. So the whole, I think that kind of started everything for, for me as far as like, a, whoo, things are pretty good. A good like eye-opening awareness yeah. type of experience. Yeah. Yeah, and it puts a drive on things too. Um, Steve, I think Steve Jobs put it, put something, articulated something in his book about how adoption made him feel like he kind of had this responsibility to do something bigger because he was placed somewhere. It wasn't a happenstance. You know, there's, there's something that goes on in the psyche of a kid when you're told that you're adopted and you're told the scenario of what that even means. When I read it, I went, whoa, like he articulated kind of what I felt for a long time. Like you feel this responsibility to do whatever the world has placed in front of you, you know, amidst a bigger circumstance. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Sorry, we got a little deep there. This beer is heavy. Woo, boy. Woo. <laughs> what are you guys feeding me? <laughs> Just the good stuff. Brought to you by the brewery. Yeah. yeah, where is this from? This is a local beer up by where we're at. It's in Placentia, California, but it's basically kind of Orange County, northern Orange County in, in southern California. This? No, <laughs> we got this from Whole Foods Did yeah. you St. Really Louis. Not? We yeah. record at their brewery, and they're kind of our unofficial sponsor. Can, can, I, can, I, can I have a wee bit more? Mm-hmm. This is your sponsor? That's awesome. Uh, it's, unofficial. It's unofficial. so great because you got these badass like Labels. wine bottle things. The brewery so happens it's Tuesday. These are so awesome. And then I brought St. Louis local Bush Light <laughs> for, <laughs> for you guys to jam on. And, yeah, uh, and I've been Mark's, enjoying a couple yeah, of lights. Been pounding some Bush Light. Some Bush heavies. And what's the weirdest thing that's happened, by the way, uh, on the course? I'm sure I've seen this on a viral video of some sort, but... I know your experience in, in, in Phoenix with my buddy's buddy <laughs> was pretty notable. Have you told that story in the podcast? No. I don't think I have. You haven't? Dude, you that's know? like connected. That's well, liter- right that's literally my co host's friend. <laughs> <laughs> like th- he's gonna play it off like he's an associate. It's his friend that did that to you. <laughs> you want me to tell it right now? Yeah. So Phoenix opened two years ago, Saturday. Saturday's the craziest day. 225, 250,000 people Jeez, at a golf tournament. It's a Garth Brooks concert. I mean, <laughs> just insanity. A lot of which don't like golf, don't want anything to do with the golf, but it's just the vehicle to have a great time, which I am all for. I'm playing really well going into Saturday. I have a really good front nine. I make the turn. I get to number 10. I think I'm leading or maybe one back. And CBS goes goes live to my second shot on number 10. And right as I make contact, this guy from 15 feet behind me goes, Steel fucked my mom! <laughs> <laughs> St. Louisan. 
And uh, they obviously they they missed their uh, what'd you call it the dump button dump button <laughs> <laughs> they missed their dump button that day or the dump button didn't work yeah and uh, so of course then this day and age like barstool sports picks it up it becomes a hashtag yeah people start making shirts out of it <laughs> you know people are yelling it at me last year at Phoenix like <laughs> but uh, my favorite part of it is just that I was. I was telling Phil Mickelson what happened like after the round that day, and then, then he goes, "Well, did you?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, we do a sports report every year, and that happened, like you said, two years ago, and a few weeks ago, I was talking about your guys' podcast and talk about you talking about you being in town. Somebody on our, you know, just random social media, somebody put, you know, steal fuck my mom. And I, and I read that and I was like, that's pretty oh, intense. Man. I totally forgot the connection. <laughs> it's funny. People don't forget stuff. I mean, it, it moves out of their subconscious, but then they remember it. They're like, oh, yeah, that's a thing. Let's make that a thing again. Let's oh, yeah. do that. Probably happened, yeah, too. Totally. And we're totally helping. <laughs> yeah. We're helping. Yeah, we're the just life. perpetuating it. And next time we do the Rizzuto show, we need to have Patrico's friend come in. Oh. <laughs> Would you like to confront him? Yeah. I'd like Would to you really? Him. Yeah. That would be oh, great. Oh, man, I, said, I should have set that up. <laughs> I, I'm as the producer of the show. I really always leave him wanting. Always leave him wanting more. Yeah, just a little <laughs> extra for next time. Next time, I would love to see any sort of sports hero, any sort of sports guy, uh, uh, confront a heckler, because you guys never get that opportunity, or or rarely. You know, it always turns into a terrible viral video. But you know, like comedians, it's their job to confront their hecklers, mm-hmm. and and I get to confront our trolls on, on Twitter. You guys like. There's like this thing where you guys got to keep it cool, man. Yeah, just walk cool. on like you didn't hear it. In, in Phoenix, you just got to keep your head down. You just I, I've been really successful in Phoenix, and I think it's because I just go, I know I'm going to get crushed, and I'm just going to let like let whatever happens, happens. I mean, anything that you do out there, you get screamed at. Like, I'll pull like a banana out of my bag, and they're like, well, you better eat that banana. You know, I'm just, damn it. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. It's so like, awesome. I can't even, I can't even eat a banana. I'm going to be like, yelled at. I'm having a drink of water. Is this gonna, oh, no. <laughs> Got to hydrate. Stay hydrated. Dude, <laughs> drink that water still. <laughs> I've had buddies come off the course and have, like, they'll see, like, some mean comment about how bad they played or something. They're just like, eh, well, you know, like. Doesn't make me feel great to see this after a really bad round, and then guys are like, "Oh man, you replied to me like that's so cool. I've been such a big fan for so long." Yeah, it's like, "Oh really? I I couldn't tell." <laughs> do you do you reply? Uh, sometimes I do. Really? So you do yeah. read it? Don't tell people you read it. Yeah, sometimes I do. Bad. I don't I don't see everything, but there's a lot of positive, and you always kind of tend to see the negative, and you're like, "Oh, this guy doesn't like me." Yeah. But it depends. It depends on what it is. If it's just like, oh, come on, man. You got to do better for my fantasy team. I'll be like, ah, I'm trying. I'll see if I can do better tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine, man. Anybody that gets in radio, I tell them, like, you better grow a thick skin real fast because yeah. this is a daily barrage of yeah. hatred. And from from some people that actually love you, they're just giving you shit. But some people that are just dangerously terrible people. Bands deal with it so differently than athletes do. And I can't imagine. Like, I mean, I'm a United fan, and I give United p- plenty of stick. But, like, you know, you see these dudes, and you follow them, and you invest yourself in them. And you see, like, Fellaini gets burned alive for months. And then all of a sudden, he hits his header in an important game, and he's everybody's favorite. And then, you know, three weeks later, like trade this motherfucker you know like, like like sell this guy immediately and i can't imagine being the personality that's on the other end that is like worked their entire life to be yeah. as good at one skill as you guys are and somebody to shit on you week to week and not know what's going on not know your life you know not know anything 
it's uh, you guys are just in like this really weird vacuum in society right now that's such an experiment and like 80 years from now they're going to look back and like study how like, you guys wow that was nuts and like wow can you imagine these dudes that were constantly barraged with human opinion it, it's the first time in human history where you can have 100% access to people who are doing something at the highest level and by 100% access I mean anybody whatever that is in music or whatever that is politically or whatever mm-hmm anybody can go on there and at least direct something to that person on social media. Like when has that ever been even remotely possible? It never, ever has. Yeah. Like there's never been that kind of access. And so on the receiving end of that, whether it's us doing music and like looking through that or whether it's in sports or whether that's in, you know, anything, just social interactions, we don't have like that skill set yet to look at it and say like 99% of these are really positive and supportive but that 1% is still like crazy and somehow like I kind of gravitate towards that 1% because I'm not used to dealing with that. Well, P.S., that 1% you'd never ever hang out with in real life. Like you'd never be around that person who is expressing themselves in that way or thinks that that's a good idea or right to say like, you're a bag of shit because you've made <laughs> that double on 18. You're like, well, I already feel like a bag of shit. Like, yeah. you don't, like <laughs> way to go loser. Just quit. Yeah. It's like, well, I got nothing else I can do. So I'm just <laughs> going to keep trying to play. 20 <laughs> something me would handle it be, and be like, man, what's, you know, what's your problem, dude? I, I, I want to make sure we're okay. And we'll, we'll be cool. 37 year old me is like, okay. So yeah. You don't like Bruce. me? Great. Have you have your reason? But you know, I had plenty of training in middle school and high school, and nobody liked me. <laughs> I was the, I was the dork, and there was plenty of boys, and like, I was like, oh, that's cool. I'll wear I'm my 37. Socks. I take karate now. Yeah, yeah man. I, I, got yellow I, belt. I get concussions and take karate. <laughs> I got a yellow belt, and I'm dizzy. <laughs> All right, that's a great transition, Mr. Moon valjean where can people follow you where can people find you online if they want to know all that is going on in the land of moon lay it on them my social media is like an epitaph it's at here lies moon twitter and instagram and then uh we yeah we do the radio show at riz show the rizzuto show you can look it up on all directories itunes spotify blah 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 and then check out uh, greek fire's new releases we have two releases one called orientation and one called broken um, both of them coming up in the next couple months and then Goldfinger's latest release is called The Knife and that was last year and I think you'll love it and uh, we'll be in a whole bunch of different cities in the next couple months chances are I'm playing close to you and you should come see because it's, it's a good time with Goldfinger and Greek Fire or with what's coming up most recently Goldfinger's playing in, in uh, at the end of August and in September in I want to say Phoenix uh, LA uh, I think we're doing uh, Southern California I think we're doing Phoenix you gonna hang out with me Southern California yeah, hell yeah. You bet. You best come out and play some guest Ernie Ball. Are you play in Orange County? Man, I don't know. I, I just should checked I the email the, like the I week to, before. <laughs> are they going to call you the, the day before? Are you sure they only gave you a day or are you just not checking Wait a minute. No, no, for sure. <laughs> are like, you, uh, I have it on my uh, my reminders on my iPhone. Call me the day before. That's okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll text you tomorrow and assume Phoenix, that you remember. Phoenix. ASAP. <laughs> yeah. Bring your harmonica. <laughs> <laughs> so come, so come see those shows if if you can. But that's pretty much uh, that's pretty much all I going uh, got going out. The Rizzuto show is a daily podcast, about two and a half hours, but it's it's fun. It's morning show style. The Rizzuto so. show is awesome. I, oh, thanks. I, I mean, before coming on, I, I went and checked out a bunch of stuff just to get a vibe for what you guys are doing, and I'm excited to like follow it after the fact. Thanks, it's, man. It's a great morning show. Yeah, it's a lot we're, of fun. We're, we just got swallowed by a different company, so we're we're a little bit disjointed while you guys were there, so I don't know if I, I, I got to express my thanks for you guys taking the time out and driving all the way down there. That was and, great. And in the rain, by the way, you guys 
found the downpour. The one downpour that happened, you guys just happened to be out of your car coming to my show. Um, so, we, yeah, we appreciated that. It was nice having you guys as the first guest. Like, we've had hundreds of guests over the past couple of years, um, but nobody in that studio. So you guys broke it in and will forever be a part of the lore of the New Point studio, for sure. Broke in the uh, sensor button. You you broke in. You not only broke in the dump button, but you brought it. You broke in those those mics on the on the left there. We had never used those before. The, like the station had never used those before. So I, I know that sounds silly, but this is like a giant deal in St. That's Louis. Awesome. This is like cool. the biggest station. And, history. Uh, it's history. It's very cool that you guys were in. It's, so it's really I, I I'm very appreciative to you guys like taking the time out of your day. And I felt like I wasn't able to express that this morning. So thank you. For those of you looking to follow us. Do do any of us at this stage even know what our socials are? Mark, can you handle it? At member guest official on Instagram and at member guest on Twitter. That's right. Brendan yeah. has an underscore in between Brendan Steele. I'm Brendan and Steele on Inst- on uh, on Twitter, which is very confusing. God, get rid of those no, underscores. There, well, there was already a Brendan Steele when I made my Twitter ten years ago. Or whatever I know. It was. You know what you're doing? You're making people earn it. We're That's weeding all. them out. We're weeding them out. Yeah. You gotta want it. You're finding the true followers. You gotta want it. You wanna you wanna you, find this podcast? You better really want me. We're not on Spotify yet. We <laughs> wanna be there, but we're not there yet. You gotta find it. You know it's a weird thing, <laughs> Spotify. Passion. You can't even like apply. Spotify just chooses you. Right. Well, they've changed it now, I think. For real? No, what? We're... I thought I was special. What? Maybe by the time we post this podcast we will be there. So who knows? Go check it out. But we're probably not. And subscribe. And subscribe. Great. And rate five stars. Five stars. And rated five stars, at least. That does make can, a difference. If you can do six. Yeah, you know. Yeah. These there, people, there's, there's an algorithm, guys. There's an algorithm. We're gotta, all subject to algorithms everywhere. If you like the podcast and you want us to keep doing it, then do your damn job. Mm-hmm. Right? And write a review. It's free. At least for now. I'm going to figure out a way to charge you. <laughs> you can't. You who are listening who are like, no, you're not. Ha, ha, ha. Yes, I am. I'm going to. I'm going to figure out a way to charge just I'm going to come to your house. You gonna are going to be personally door, responsible. I'm make you pay me $3. Yeah, or else. I know you've listened to three episodes. <laughs> $30. These are $10 per episode. Oh, for real? Just for that I one person. You guys money. Yeah, for the one person. Just for that person. And we're going to start charging our guests. Great point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for the beer? How much do I owe you guys? Yeah. We'll, we'll send you a bill. <laughs> All right, Moon, you came as a guest. You're definitely leaving as a member. We have an open door here for you anytime we are in St. Louis. You're in Southern California. We'd love to have you back. As is customary, do you have any parting or final words that you'd like to share? Words of wisdom, advice? Oh, man. Chew your food well. Uh, wear your seatbelt. Make sure you have a helmet if you're on a motorcycle. Or running the bases in softball. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to get a helmet this week. And uh, other than that, mm, just be good. Be good. Be good. It's, it's not that hard. All right. May your drives fly straight and your guitars stay tuned now and forever. Adios. Adios. Cheers, boys. Yep. Thank you, Phil. Thank you, guys. We kept you up past your bedtime. Yeah, you know what? It's like.